0: Hello and welcome to the Women in Sport podcast. This episode is sponsored by CSM Live. Well, what a year twenty twenty two has been, and it's not over yet for women's sport. It's been momentous. The Lionesses brought football home in style. Their performances, skill, and teamwork throughout the Women's Euros was incredible. And for those that watched the final, it was definitely one of those magical moments that will forever be etched in the memory. of course we've had the commonwealth games in birmingham and we still have the women's rugby union and rugby league world cups to come but what impact has this had on the aspirations of girls and young women in sport two years ago a survey by women in sport found half as many girls as boys dreamt of reaching the top in sport and that survey's recently been repeated to see if this year has done anything to shift the dial I'm delighted to be joined by Women in Sport CEO Stephanie Hilburn and Hannah Dingley, Head of Forest Green Rovers Academy. Welcome to you both. Hello. It's the first day of autumn I've heard today, so it kind of feels like a good time to be kind of reflecting back on the summer. And what an incredible summer of sports it's been. Um, You know, it feels like there's been a definite step change when it comes to women's sport. You know, what are your reflections
1: well, obviously, coming from a you know a football background and a, you know a massive football fan, obviously the Euros were unbelievable. You know we couldn't have dreamt of anything better really in terms of um, you know the Lionesses doing so well and and then obviously you know the achievement on the pitch, but then the so the legacy that hopefully will come around that, you know, inspiring so many more girls to start taking part in football, start playing, and obviously the FA, um, it's really helped their sort of. Um, ambition of trying to make sure that as many girls get access to football in schools as as boys um, so sort of about these school partnerships so it it came at a really good time and I think it's hopefully then going to aspire as I say, the next generation of uh, future lionesses to get involved and we just need to capture this now and not let it sort of go by the wayside and we will you know remember when we did that a few years ago it's really important that legacy piece is really really key Mm. Um, and it's really important that we capitalize on this to help move the women's game and girls game forward
2: yeah i mean for women in sport obviously it's been fabulous to watch because of the not just the the, just experience the joy the emotion of of the the football itself but what it says for for girls um, and women in sport and the messages it's given to to little girls perhaps in particular um but also to the boys about how it can look when women are free free reigning and brilliant teamwork on the pitch you know it's it's yeah really, really amazing memories.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about the inspiration then. Has it inspired girls to to start dreaming and dreaming big and reaching the top in sport? So as I mentioned in the introduction, Women in Sport has done a survey looking at the aspirations of of girls and boys. Um, Steph, we've kind of hot off the press with the, the results of the latest survey. Can you give us the main headlines?
2: Really, really interesting. So we were surveying boys and girls young women, young men, aged 13 to 24, um, and in two different sort of age categories. But we, for most of the time, we kept those together. And we'd done, we asked exactly the same questions, um, you know, just over two years ago. And we anticipated that there would have been a big change in the level to which girls dreamt of reaching the top in sports. So when we first did the survey, we talked about the dream deficit, which was that, um, only 30% of girls were dreaming of reaching the top of sport compared to 6% of boys. And we thought, wow, that dream deficit will have reduced when we did this survey. That was our anticipated outcome. It was a little bit more complicated than that, um, but really, really interesting. Um, the girls who both love sport and play lots of sport, this has had a massive impact. So whereas previously half of those girls would dream of reaching the top, that has spiralled up to nearly 70%. We can't be sure it was just the lionesses that they've got to have played an amazing part in that, and, and boys who love sport and play loads of sport, they're consistently about seventy five percent of them dream of reaching top of sport. So we've nearly closed that gap between the girls and the boys who play loads and love sport. The very interesting thing, of course, is that only half uh, as many girls as boys fall into that category percentage wise. So many more boys fall into the love love sport and play lots of sport. And so when you look at the figures overall, the dream deficit for girls, look, sorry, the dream rate for girls, which is about 30%, has is pretty unchanged. Quite sadly, in a potentially pandemic related, the dream rate for boys has reduced, but that isn't the direction we wanted to see the deficit flows. That's when you take everything all together. So what we're seeing is, girls who love sport play sport, this has had a massive impact. It hasn't had such a big impact in terms of getting girls into that category um, hasn't changed. You know, still as many girls play sport and love sport, and there's still this big number of girls who actually do love sport, but don't get to play. The other, there are lots of other interesting aspects in the survey. I don't want to talk endlessly about it, but I think a couple of really positive other points is that particularly in the younger category, the boys were much more sensitized um, to women's sport. They were much more positive about it. and also more aware of the inequalities that, that existed. Um, and the other, I think, positive thing is that the girls, young women, uh, now that they've seen that, feel an increased sense of injustice about about their access to sport and, and how celebrated women are. So some really interesting findings. We could talk more about some of the subtle sides, perhaps later.
0: What's your reaction to that, Hannah, hearing it for the first time? It's really interesting, isn't it?
1: Because. Um we're so proud of the Lionesses and we don't want to take anything away, but it is quite clear that the, it's not a massively diverse group of, you know, of, of players who've had that success. And it certainly made us look at the sort of pathway that leads into the sort of the elite programmes and the probably lack of diversity. Um, and I would be interested, I don't, know, I don't know how deep this sort of statistics went into sort of which group haven't, you know, Is there certain groups aren't getting um, access to, um, you know, to football and to other sports. Um, because I think it's become women girls football's almost become almost a white middle class sport a little bit and you have to look like a certain way and have a ponytail and look like this you know it's not always just about ethnicity you know it's about you know how you maybe identify yourself and look as a person and you you know we say we have to see it to be it you know do young girls see somebody that looks like them achieving um and how can we you know as I say diversify that the, the girls uh, who haven't actually access to um, to sport and to football particularly um so that hopefully then at that top end the lionesses start to be maybe a bit more representative of um of, of the British
0: population yes yeah, it's, it's so true isn't it that diversity piece it's not just about getting women seen it's about getting a really diverse group of of women seen at the top level and I mean, I think what was quite interesting and I know we've reflected as an organisation was actually the diversity within the in the audience watching and in the crowds. You know, it may not have been as diverse on the pitch, but certainly, you know, if you looked in, into the stands, the diversity among the, the the people there was was far greater than what we actually see in the men's game. So that was that was definitely a positive. And I think what we're kind of seeing from this survey is, you know, there is a, a lot of positives to take from it, but there's still. A great deal of work to be done on the ground. Um I mean you must have seen Hannah a huge shift from your playing days when you weren't even allowed to play at secondary school. Um kind of give us an insight into how far we've come.
1: Oh I'm so jealous of the opportunities that the girls get now as compared to what I had, you know, um as I as you said, you know, yet sort of got to secondary school age sort of 12 and then it was like nope, hockey or netball, that's you off you off you go and I, I missed such a chunk of that development from the primary school where you played with the boys and it was great until I was able to play open age football at 16, you know, so I'm really jealous of what the girls have access to now. Um, but it's sad, you know, that we are still having to, uh, I don't to put my, give you my age, but you know, you're, we're talking a long time ago here, yet we're still having programs, trying to have equal access for girls football in schools. You know, that's obviously a little bit sad really, because you'd think, so much has changed and so much has developed but you know the fact that a, a girl hasn't got the same opportunity to play sport or to play football in school as a boy it, it you know it, it is something that it's quite sad that it's not not changed in you know in 2022.
0: Yeah I mean Forest Green Rovers are a club that are known for really bucking the trend aren't they um you know what is it doing and, and what are you doing to um try and increase gender equity in the game?
1: It's a really interesting piece because we've, not, um, we've got a boys' academy, um, EFL Academy, and we looked at starting girls' sides. But this sort of, the worry was if Big Bad Forest Green Row we start trying to take all the best players from all the different local clubs, we're really worried about sort of the, what would happen to the football landscape if we did that and how unfair that would be because we want more girls playing football, not less. Yet if we take two or three from this team and two or three from that team, is that team going to be exist and we're to keep going? And um, so we jumped on the back of the FAETC program that just released. So we applied for a license. Um, and the sort of thought process with that program is it provides extra coaching. So it doesn't take any girl away from their grassroots team. They still play in their grassroots team, but it's extra um high-level coaching that will improve the players. So it, it gives, um, I suppose, the FAA ultimately a bigger talent pool to choose mm. from um, when they get selecting the next generation of lionesses. Um, and a part of the logic is. To diversify that talent pool, because again, a part of the issue maybe has been uh, what used to be regional talent centers up and down the country. There was only, I think, 40, and some girls would have to travel an hour plus to get there. Well, a lot of families may not have the resource to do that, might not have, um, you have the time to do that, et cetera, et cetera. So, therefore, you're missing out on all these talent that just can't get to the training sessions. Um, So by having more ETCs with maybe slightly less commitment because they still stay in their grassroots, but helps to identify, you know, a a range of talent that can feed into that sort of talent pathway. Um, So it's a programme that we are doing in conjunction with Hartbury University because they have some fantastic sports facilities. Um, We partner with them to try and target girls within our region. Um, Because, again, traditionally, where we are in the southwest, talented players would either have gone had to go north to Birmingham or south of Bristol City, there was nothing in the sort of middle. So if you haven't got, you know, good parental support, um, parents who can afford to leave work early to get you there, parents who can take you to a game three hours away on a Sunday morning, you know, they weren't going to get access. So um, we're now providing the sort of um, sort of midpoint to um, help develop those girls. Um, and we're really keen to run it alongside the boys. So there's parity in what they do. So what the girls get the boys get you know, the same level of coaching, the same curriculums, the same facilities, the same. So that it's not that the girls are second rate citizens, because I think we've all seen that as female athletes. So, you know, as you've gone through the time where you get your hand-me-downs or you get, you know, the old men's kit or whatever it is, but it's, you're not quite at the same level. You're always sort of grateful for what you get. And I think it's really important that we give them as much, you know, uh, respect and how much resource goes into that girls' programme that goes into the boys' programme.
0: Yeah that's really important interesting you you bring that up actually because there was a um uh part of the survey that did concentrate on um that kind of feeling of of where girls feel that kind of women's sport sits and 41% of girls still believe that sport is for boys and that girls aren't encouraged or expected to be good at it so there's still that kind of societal attitude piece um kind of coming into women's sport I mean Steph probably one for you but how do you think we start to change those attitudes
2: it's a big question it is and I think going back to what Hannah said and I think it's absolutely fascinating fascinating to think of the emotions in uh particularly the women watching the lionesses the women like you Hannah who just love football and just would never have had that opportunity um mm-hmm. and 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 women who just like my mother was never involved in any Type of sport like that she's 90 but it was the first time in my life i've seen her engage with the game of football on telly first time she actually engaged with it just because she recognized there were women running around so you've got this whole range of different responses but i think going back to the point about hannah is you know we know that it's now 15 years since the ban was lifted on women playing football on fa grounds a bit more isn't it amazing how slow society is to change Um, that we still got that situation where you know quite a decent percentage of schools are not offering that as an option to girls at school. Um, Society changes very slowly and we know from our other research not this this recent survey but our other qualitative research that gender stereotyping is still alive and well Uh, and you know and we're all doing it really we're all part of the problem because it's instilled in us and that little girls just are not expected to uh, to be particularly good at sport and and then it's not expected that it should matter whether they are you know they are valued for what they look like how kind they are and all these other things which are the stereotype um of course we should all be kind um but boys are valued for you know more highly still for for their qualities in sport so there is a long way to go we have to as a society become aware of that problem you know at the, the subtle levels as well as the the numbers game uh, if we're going to have a chance really of changing that. So one or two of the um, interesting things that come out from some of the qualitative work we do is that even teachers who are amazing in general as a group, um, uh, the girls were saying they can see the boys getting more praise when they do a good pass um, than they do if they say this girl said when well, I do a good shot in badminton and that's probably stereotyping playing out that teachers thinking it will matter more to the boy that he gets recognition it will to the girl but our research shows girls need recognition for their progress in sport probably just as much as the boys and they don't get that you know they're told that sport for them is about having fun because it doesn't really matter um and you know so there are a lot of small changes that need to happen to the way we are as parents teachers are as teachers coaches are as coaches it's all a subtle shift um and you know the, the visibility matters a huge amount but it's, there's a long trail behind that and going back to your point about the diversity Hannah I think it's absolutely fascinating that they amongst I mean we haven't done I, I'm not sure if we've done the deep research into the different ethnic backgrounds of respondents in this survey um, and we'd have to look at that cut but certainly the you will know the diversity of the crowds at the women's FA Cup finals and and at the the at the Euros seemed, you know, almost towards reflective of the population, uh, both in terms of gender, age, and in terms of ethnicity. And that that was in itself so inspiring that, you know, Sri Lankan friend of mine was emotional about it, was tearful about it, because it would never have occurred to her to go to a football match, because it would have been such an intimidating environment before. So I think there is progress with that, But the point you've just made about having to have parents driving you for three hours every night if you're a girl who wants to progress in football says a lot about how diverse the people are who get to the top, the girls are who get to the top. It explains a lot, doesn't it?
0: It does. You've got to have an incredible amount of support around you, don't you? And I mean, you know, I know from... Reading a little bit about your um, career history, Hannah, that you've had to be absolutely, resolutely determined to stay in football, and that that is the place that you want to be, um, because there's been barriers all the way through your career to get to where to where you are.
1: Yeah, when you talk about gender stereotypes, it's 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 so frustrating. It's so frustrating, you know. So, I give you an example. On the weekend, um, we had a, quite a bad injury during the game. A game I'm coaching. The game, it's a bad injury, but because I'm in charge of the program, I go off to try and you know help medical staff and get the uh, the young player off to hospital, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the gentleman from the opposition, who was just sort of um, sort of um, looking after the event, sort of thing. So so are you one of the physios? I looked at him, I was like, if I was one of the physios, I'd be treating the player. But I'm not treating the player. I haven't got gloves on, I haven't got a medical bag. So why is your assumption, well, you must be a physio then. And, and, you know, he meant no harm to it, he meant no malice, but it's so frustrating that, again, I go back to in 2022, that that is your first assumption. Um, And that's as a coach, you know, so again, you know, for the girls as players, there's just it's yeah it's it's a a really difficult thing to overcome and you know I've heard it so many times about well you must be great with the young ones you know maternal instincts and you're like well should I coach 18s you know you know there's so much sort of um yeah stereotyping and, and and if you feel bad because as I say no one goes in with any malice to say it when they say it they don't say it to you know to purposely be offensive it's it's so offensive in a way and because you work so hard and you commit so much Mm. to get to that level and then not to be recognized for the position or the qualification that you are or you've managed to gain it is yeah is tough
2: yeah it's tough and it's very very tiring isn't it and i mean (laughs) over it's a it's a cumulative impact every time that happens you feel sort of put down or or, you know angry or whatever the emotion is every single time and and it happens and it happens and it happens, and you know, over your lifetime, it gets to a cumulative point where you, you, a lot of women just can't be bothered with it anymore. You know, they just step away from it because it's, it's such a toll on you. And that's, you know, that's one of the challenges I think as well when we think about the challenge we've got with increasing the proportion of women in the staff of governing bodies, for example, or you know, in other parts of the sports infrastructure that to get in even into the middle ranks, you've got to have put up with so many comments exactly like that, which are not ill intended, but just an expression of stereotyping and worked through them and the actually much more worst comments as well, that, you know, when it comes to, do you want to go for even another rung up the ladder, what do you want to? Because you're knackered emotionally far, far more than, you know, had you been, the other sex you know you just you've been worn down by it and so that's another factor that plays into i think um this lack of women in le- proportionately in leadership roles which until we have 50 50 at the top will not sort out the problem you know because we can't we can't have the lived experience at the top that's actually reflective of the population so you know that it's a very much a, a chicken and egg isn't it
1: Yeah, I think that was a real positive from the Euros. Again, seeing Serena lead the lionesses—you know, again another sort of big tick. And I remember going to some FA Cup finals and being like, you know, both teams coached by by men, and it's like, come on, we've got a—you know—we've got enough good coaches in this country to not have that all the time. So, you know, again, it's a really that was a great thing to be able to see, Um, and again, hopefully inspires more girls to yes to be players, but also you know, coaching and different different roles that they can take on within the sporting structure.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, she was so inspiring, Serena. And I think, you know, some of the comments that came through the survey about what inspired you about the Euros that we asked boys and girls, and the top one was the teamwork attitudes and spirit of the players. Um, and, you know, the atmosphere amongst the crowd and supporters, the celebrations when they won. Um, and interestingly, uh, I think... The female pundits being there, the female commentators and the pres- presenters meant more to the, the girls and the boys, but the boys still recognised that as a positive. So, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was a, a real showpiece, wasn't it, of how it could look. Yeah, I mean,
0: it comes back, doesn't it, to what we mentioned previously in this conversation about visibility and, and, and the sense of belonging, like we need visibility to show girls that they belong on the pitch and in in all aspects of sport whether that be in sports leadership or or in the media uh sports media and it's just vitally important because we're just not getting that at the moment and certainly not on the sidelines you know they're they're not there's certainly not very many women's coaches in the in the men's game um you know and and why is that you know we it's something that desperately needs to change doesn't it
1: that's the sad thing because obviously there's some some fantastic female pundits and female presenters in the, you know, who present on men's games, and they're really good, but you hear some of the abuse they get. You know, social media is not, not great, is it? You know, in terms of, and you think, you know, we talk about those stereotypes beating you down. You know, when you're constantly getting that negative feedback all the time, and, you know, I think it must be challenging for 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 women to go into those sort of areas um and and you want it to be a safe space you know you want it to be because they because they're as good as the men <laughs> the pendentary is very good um so it's it's really frustrating that there's still people out there you know trolls that would make that really
2: difficult i think i think with with all of this i think as soon as you break norms you're always <laughs> um, attacked aren't you i mean you think you've just obviously been. Mourning the loss of the Queen, and then you start thinking about the new king and the fact that he was he was basically ridiculed for decades and decades for raising issues about nature and climate change. Ridiculed, you know. And here we are in the midst of the sort of huge global emergency about those issues. So, whoever is at the front of change attracts um, attack because of that sort of try to suppress the the, the power of status quo. So. we should wear these badges with with honor really you know the more people who um are saying you shouldn't be here the more proud you should be that you're definitely part of the change that's one positive way to put on it but you know obviously it is a huge challenge and very wearing for women in the in the public eye definitely i think one of the other really interesting uh things that we have found in a way is if you think the, of the average girl so not the brilliant football player like you Hannah but you know the, the average girl growing up and the messages that they're receiving and all this stereotyping mm. that what they should value themselves for you know what should they value themselves for, and and it's not really sport and then they're getting this conflicting message which is but you can be a lioness you know so they so I think for the girls who are already in that space who we say you know these these really really sport my girls who are active in it too you can see this uplift of wow I could actually be there in a way that growing up I could only see really in Wimbledon or the Olympics I couldn't see any team sport Um, so that is emotional in itself but for the girls who feel that they've been told it really isn't for them it's all very confusing emotionally isn't it Um, how come they ended up doing that you know it's like It'd be interesting to hear from you a bit, actually, since you're you're working with the young women and girls um how they have expressed their feelings over the summer to you
1: yeah, I think again, it was interesting, so uh, one of our women's team uh, was a teacher, and she was saying for their after school football club, they had ninety five girls wanting to come and play wow. you know which is again so pleasing to see, isn't it um so hopefully it's maybe just you know inspiring a few you know girls that thought well maybe I can give it a go and there's lots of programs you know I talk about the ETC and the sort of, say, the top level stuff the talent pathway stuff mm-hmm. there's also wildcats programs and uh, community programs that are just come and play and don't you know you don't have to be the next lioness you can just come and have fun and get involved and um, obviously, it's great the um, sort of equal play, um, equal access initiative from Sports Direct in order to give in sort of grass and, grassroots and community groups um, footballs, you know, for boys and girls. But again, to inspire young people to go and play football and for that not to be a barrier because you haven't got a football to play with. Um, go out and get involved um, because there is a place for everybody. And, not, you know, as I say, not everybody is going to be a lioness, um, but you can still enjoy it um and that's still going to potentially still support the the pyramid as it were because the whole point of a pyramid is you have to have a lot at the bottom to have a, you know to have some at the top um and the more we can get at the bottom hopefully the, you know the the bigger and better your pyramid is um, so there's lots of opportunities for everyone and as a, and as we've said before not necessarily even as a player if that's not what you're interested it doesn't have to be as a player you know you can there's so many roles in in sport in football now um, full-time roles, professional roles, that, you know, jobs. Uh, whereas previously, it's probably been, you know, jobs in sport for women have been very few and far between, you know. And so those are now opening up, and there's opportunities. So if you enjoy sport, even if you're not great at it, there's probably some way you can fit, you know, some some skill set and somewhere where you can fit in. And um, we just need to, again, and I know we keep beating on about it, but it is about visibility, isn't it? It's about them knowing that those opportunities are there. Uh, because I I think if more young girls know that those opportunities are possible for them um, you know that's maybe the career path they take rather than sort of finding out later down the line oh I didn't really know that was a possibility I didn't even know I could do that Um, or there was a job like that in sport you know so it's how we educate the next generation that you know sport isn't just all about running around and sweating what else is there to do that you can get involved with that you might you know, in the media stuff or the commentary or the social media things or the journalism um, or the medical side. There's so many different diverse areas that um, women and girls can get involved with.
0: Yes, it's so important. And I think, you know, one of the other positives that we've seen, um, certainly this summer, but over the last few years as well, is that brands are starting to really see the value of investing in women's sport. And you mentioned Sports Direct there and their Equal Play initiative, and they've sponsored the um, the shirts for forest green rovers you know how important do you think brands are in trying to kind of facilitate the growth of women's sport in particular
1: yeah it's well it's an amazing partnership for us with sports direct because you know um it, it's it they just sponsor the women's team so it's you know how many times we see there's a sponsor but it's the men's team sponsoring it and you chuck in the women's team or oh, it's part of, it's the same shirt it's the same sponsor for someone to come in and say no don't care about the men's team I, we want to sponsor the women's team and for such a, a big brand you know is a, absolutely fantastic for us and our women's team are on a journey but they're not in the WSL and they're not in the ch- WSL championship you know they're a, a grassroots women's program and you know a company like Sports Direct have come and invested within that which just shows sort of the scope of what there is because you know there's their influence has been so big for us in terms of again equipment and um, profile and all those things that we can add to the um, to the women's team to support them in their sort of journey hopefully at the pyramid um, and I think it will inspire other brands you know as I say if you look at the obviously have the other vitality women's FA Cup um, Barclays are supporting the um, school sports partnerships you know you know obviously we're now getting the games on television and the WSL is getting more sponsors it's just going to grow and grow and hopefully, you know, big brands are getting on board on that early and um, mm. because it's, it's, um, it really helps the football clubs and the organisations, but equally it's, it's great for them, isn't it? Because you probably 50% of their users are female probably. <laughs> so, you know, maybe just trying to realise that and trying to, you know, um, encourage those people to, you know, to get involved is really important, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, exactly. or well, at risk of gender stereotyping, I think women do hold most of the purse strings in households. So, you know, it's, it's certainly an area where brands need to look more, isn't it? You know, so but that is that is definitely a positive, and it it shows women and girls that sport does matter and brands value it, which feeds back into the conversation we were talking about earlier. Steph, I just wanted to come on to um, you mentioned it in your kind of roundup of, of the stats, but how boys' attitudes are starting to shift and how the allyship of, of boys starting to see the injustice of the inequality in women's sport is gonna help with the, the shift.
2: There was a couple of really interesting changes in attitudes just from this survey, which was a you know, good couple of thousand um, boys and girls, young men, young women. And one of them that stood out and was statistically significant, just to put on a nerd hat briefly, is the question, would you like to see more support for girls and women's teams, which in December 2020, the answer was 32% of boys felt that. So 32% of boys thought there should be more support for girls and women's teams But then, whereas now that's up to 42%. So more boys think there should be support, more support. And should there be more celebrations of women's achievement in sport? Well, yeah, more again, you know, we're up to the 40% mark again. So there are some shifts up. There's not turned the whole thing on head, but I'm not sure you'd expect that. But I think that's actually quite a noticeable uplift in that sense. Um, so and and it's right through all those similar types of questions, it's all an uplift in the in the boys. And when you look at the younger category, the sort of 13 to 18-year-old boys, it's even stronger that pattern. They are very much behind girls having that equal access, which is really interesting. And it would have been great to have these stats going back 50 years, wouldn't it? Um but we've only got them for just this period. So I think, and then you know, when you look at the comments they make, it, it's there too. Of course there's still you know very strong pattern which we'd all expect of girls feeling more um being much more like to worry about what people think of them and watching and judging them although that's increasing for boys um and and clearly um when you have your period you can't compare but that's a big issue putting girls off of playing sport and then safety at night is one of the other big ones that that comes up and isn't gender equal. That doesn't feature so much in the boys' answers. But I think on the positive, Sarah, the, the the one that really struck us, the, the area that struck us was the sense of justice the rising, the sense of the need for more justice rising amongst the boys and, and and young men.
0: Is that something you've seen, Hannah, on the ground working, obviously quite closely with with boys and girls?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting because part of our EGC program, we sort of try and mix them up. And we get the girls playing against the boys, we get the girls and boys to mix up and play together. And there's real benefits that you get from it because um, there's a social side because the girls are socially so much better than the boys. The boys are, you know, certain ages, at teenagers' ages aren't, you know, very chatty and the girls are really chatty. So there's, there's different elements that you get. And then obviously the boys are a bit like, They're quite good, uh, you know. So, and it's great. There's some really interesting things that you see when you mix them up. And... Um, but I think it's been evident in terms of if you look at the crowds, I know we, obviously the WSL crowds, um, obviously at record levels and they can't all be women and girls, you know. So um, obviously there is um, a growing fan base. Um, and it's not even just at the top level. I was uh, looking recently at Exodus City uh, are playing a game um, at their first team stadium and I think they've already sold uh, 1,300 tickets. And, you know, so it is it is inspiring um men and boys as well as women and girls to come and watch um, which is yeah really pleasing and actually as we've said it actually a men's game football game isn't always the nicest place to go Mm. as it can be quite a hostile environment it can't be a very family-friendly environment Um, and if again you 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 look a certain way or you're a bit anxious maybe you find that environment actually quite claustrophobic and quite difficult because they are quite aggressive I find it madness, you know, I go to games and I see people more obsessed with hurling abuse at opposition fans than they do supporting their team and actually, you know, it's an excuse to F and Jeff and use offensive, um, you know, gestures to the people and you're like, and that's children at times, parents with young children, you know, doing offensive signs to opposition fans and you're thinking, what are you teaching them? But you know that's sometimes the environment that's been created in the men's game. Whereas the women's game is it, maybe, a, say, a safer place, a more comfortable place for some people to go. And you know, if you enjoy sport, enjoy football, to go in to go and watch a really good game and to see you know your, your, the stars that you've seen on the telly close up, then it is going to you know at your local men's game and just having loads of expletives, then it may be probably not the most comfortable for everyone to go to.
0: I took my daughter actually, so she's seven. Um, she was six at the time, to the opening um, Euros game at Old Trafford. And it was the first football game she'd seen. And she, prior to that game, she didn't really, wasn't interested in football. To her, it was a boys game. So I took her along. And as you said, the atmosphere was brilliant. So my son's been to Old Trafford with my husband uh, to watch Manchester United and come back with a rather choice vocabulary uh, of words that he's learned at the game. But honestly the the atmosphere and I know everybody's been banging on about it but it was just incredible and I didn't hear one swear word and everybody was singing and passing her clackers and you know she just was you know the joy and you know that I think just she was overwhelmed by the entire experience but on the way home was then talking about Lucy Bronze and Rachel Daly and you know all the players and and started to kind of recognize them and and know their name and since then it's been like a a a flick has gone in her head that actually there is a place for her and she does belong and she now asks to go out and play football independently and just says can I go and play can we can we go and play will you come and play with me and it's just it's just fantastic and we need more of
2: that. It is amazing and and it is I think that that sense of joy in the crowd I felt I didn't sadly didn't get to see any of the the Euros but did go to both the F, recent FA Cup finals for the women and mm. the I just keep talking about the the um, un, unemployed mounted policeman really I mean it was a bit embarrassing it was about it was about you know it's like putting mounted police into you know just the local middle class high street or something or you just a really happy high street in South London or was just embarrassing um it was such a positive positive such a family atmosphere uh, which is great i mean the stats on who i mean i I don't know about the actual attendees at the crowd It looked incredibly balanced but i don't have the stats in front of me but the stats from our survey about did you watch um or lots of the women's euros compared to the men's euros in 2021 what is really interesting for girls boys and young men young women equal numbers of girls and boys watched all or lots or some of the women's um the final Right through to watched any match, whereas if you go to the men's Euros, uh, far more boys than girls watched it all. So, you know, very interesting that split, really, isn't it? So when they come, when it's the women's Euros, you get this sort of almost equal gender balance. But when you go into the men's side, you get a drop off in the proportionate number of of girls. Um, so it's brilliant for the boys as well, isn't it, to see to see the women on the pitch, and and actually exhibiting all that wonderful teamwork.
1: And that's actually quite sad if you think about it. So I think that actually male football games almost become on great spaces sometimes. For women, you know, there's a lot of misogyny. There's a lot of uh, I don't know if you saw it recently. There was a physio for Bristol Rovers who got a load of abuse. I think it was at Barnsley, um, and you know imagine you're a woman sat in the crowd listening to them singing about a female fissure. How does that make you feel? Mm. You know, so actually the men's game isn't a safe space for women, but obviously then the women's game is a really safe space for men to come to. And it's almost like, again, that they sort of, you know, sound like That's a feminist, not equal. That's a not feminist equal. hanging on, but you know, that, that men's environment should be a, a safe a safe space for all you know, and, and you should want to bring your family to a men's game. It's really quite mm-hmm. sad that that's happening over there. You know, that's not to take away what the women's game is providing, but it's it's quite it's sad that they right. so,
2: yeah. It shouldn't be like that. I, I completely agree. I mean, this was just viewing on telly, but I mean, you're absolutely right. You should you should feel safe at both. You know, both sets should feel safe at both. Yeah. And, and I'm sure and I know a lot of work goes in to try to address the, the black, you know, the the the, the issues that there are in the men's game yeah it's the tribalism
0: Um, isn't it that we need to stop within the men's game tribalism
2: and some of it's fun and it's fine and it's sort of it's not harmful and some of it gets you know Hmm. goes very seriously wrong as we know after the men's euros so yeah you're right it isn't right it isn't it isn't something to celebrate that that it's not a happy place for women in the men's game you're absolutely right so overall then you know, when
0: we look back, the, the Euros this year and the performances of the Lionesses, you know, there's there's been so many amazing positives to come from that. You know, not least that it's inspired sporty girls and girls that are active to to dream of reaching the top. But ultimately, there's still quite a lot of work to be done on the ground um, to to get more girls and women involved in not just football, but for all sport and participating at all levels. So what does the future of of football and of of sport in general look like a big question (laughs) where would you like to see it
1: um uh, for me um obviously the challenges and I think I think we've sort of recognized that is really tackling school sports grassroots sport you know schools are um, are key aren't they in this because um, as you say they sort of set those sort of social stereotypes really early on uh, particularly in primary schools so uh, having girls have access to sport um, and I think there's a and I know we've looked at, I think the country's looked at this a number of times in terms of primary P, you know having access to specialist PE teachers and to you know often it's a teacher who has to take PE and it doesn't really want to take PE and then it's not a great experience and then they don't you know they have a negative first introduction to sport so that sort of primary school education I think having you know access to a range of sports it being fun you know wanting to do it inspiring at those really young ages because then that leads to them wanting to do go and join a club and go and do something else go and do wildcats or you know little kickers or whatever the sport is Mm. but if we're not getting it right at that sort of basic sort of younger age groups I think it's very very difficult I think once they hit secondary school and particularly you know with girls and puberty when we hit around those ages if they're not inspired by that time it's really really hard um, so I think those um those people working in early years and primary education have got a really important part to play in trying to get um boys and girls interested in sport
2: and just so they can enjoy it no you're absolutely right Hannah I mean there's the the, the school is the great equaliser isn't it we all have access to school so if, if we could get that right the right level of investment in the right type of sport and opportunities for both boys and girls but deliberately aware of the stereotype and girls are facing it'd be brilliant it'd be amazing I mean having the places having the right parks having the right access to those places and feeling safe and being safe um having uh, the, the the right kit you know so that you don't immediately think oh well this isn't made for me so you belong in the kit as well as in the place as well as on the field uh, is, is obviously key so there's all of those factors and at, at women women's sport we do a lot of work in in the teenage age group as well but if you don't get it right from from the very young age then you're right everything's more difficult because you haven't instilled that love in it and that sense of of belonging in it and that and built the capabilities really that make you enjoy it
1: no I think that's fascinating what you say about the kit as well because you know how many times you go in and it's just boys' stuff isn't it everything's you know I've had an argument with uh, one of our sponsors around something similar you know you go on the website and you you search for girls football boots and there's about two pairs but you know it's
2: just but we are different physically you know we are different you know when this is the thing with and I think that's what the lioness showed it's a different game with women Mm -hmm. playing it we are substantially less tall on average something like six inches we are a different shape we have different feet we have different um knee joints as we know that respond different times of the month and everything else so the provision of all the care all the medicine all the understanding the science the whole thing you know is, is is set up basically for men over hundreds of years so Every time you hit one of those new things, like you put on a shirt that clearly wasn't designed for you, you think maybe I don't belong here because this shirt doesn't fit me. Maybe I don't belong here because this is the wrong size for me. Everything or the wrong type of boot. And so we've got to bash down each of those barriers, which which give you another signal that you're not really meant to be there.
0: I think you're right, and I think this year's crushed the idea that women don't belong in sport. But we still do have a long way to go to shift the system. But women are taking their place on the field of play, within the backroom staff, in boardrooms, in the media, showing young girls that sport is a space for them. Thanks so much to Hannah and Steph for some fascinating conversation. Thanks, too, to our sponsors, CSM Live. If you would like to find out more about women in sport, head to our website at womeninsport.org. We are a charity, so if you feel you can support us, every donation is gratefully received and helps us to continue to break down barriers to sport and transform the lives of women and girls. Thanks ever so much for listening.